Thank you, Cindy. It's okay, you can clap for her. Somebody was starting to clap, but it was weak. The title of the message this morning is The Authority of Jesus. The Authority of Jesus. We're in, we finished the Sermon on the Mount last week. We're into chapter 8, so I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. We're going to begin with verse 1. The Authority of Jesus. My definition for authority is this, delegated influence. Some of you in this room have authority over people. Some of us are under authority, and a lot of times it's both. I thought about the word authority this week, and I thought about a time I tried to claim authority that I didn't have. Our youth minister, I was about 15 years old, our youth minister had recommended we go hike in this particular part of Macon, Georgia, or near Macon, Georgia, where I grew up. So out, outskirts of Macon, out in the country, he knew that me and a couple of guys loved to hike. So he said, well, y'all need to go, and he described this place that we were to go hike. We got there, three of us, I was about 15, the other two guys were 17 and 18. Should have been my leaders and got, kept me from getting into trouble. But we go up and there's this huge sign over the gate. The sign said, authorized personnel only. So we kind of scratched our heads and one of them said, well, what are we going to do? Is this the place we're supposed to be? And I said, by the power vested in me by the state of Georgia, I hereby authorize you. And sure enough, all three of us take off, jump the fence, go in. We had lunch. We had plinked around with a 22 pistol. We had had the best time for hours until we came out up the road from where the car was parked, and we realized there's a car parked near our car. And as soon as we got closer, we realized it's law enforcement. What do we do with this 22 pistol? Well, don't hide it. Keep it out where they can see it. So we get down there, and they said, did y'all not read the sign? Well, I didn't bother telling them, well, we're authorized because I authorized us. It was a scary moment. I was only 15, so as a minor... All I got was a letter in the mail, registered mail, about a week later. And I opened the letter, and the first thing I saw was $500 and or six months in jail for trespassing on federal wildlife refuge. Now, I read the rest of the letter, and the letter said, we're giving you a warning, but your name's on file. I guess my name's still on record somewhere that I authorized myself when I shouldn't have. And you know what? Thinking about telling that story, even this morning, I thought about, you know, why did my youth minister, did he intentionally send us somewhere where he thought we might get arrested? Probably not. But my wife and I grew up in the same youth group. We've been married 41 years. A few years ago, he stayed at our home, and I just asked him, I said, Hank, you know, growing up, did you, would you have put me and Eva together and be married all these years? And he said, Robert, I wouldn't have put you with anybody. <laughs> True story. I thought, you're, you're staying for free at my house. You ought to be a little nicer to your host than that. But I just thought about that this morning. I, wouldn't have, I was that kid that showed up for anything. I was an obnoxious middle schooler. There's youth pastors in here that sometimes think, you know, today would go a lot better if so-and-so wouldn't show up. I was a youth pastor for a number of years myself. I could have told the youth group that we were going to tar the roof of the sanctuary on July the 4th. There were still three or four kids that would show up for that. They're the ones you didn't want to show up. They didn't have anywhere else to be. Their parents said, something's going on at the church, get out of here. You're going. But, Mom, they're tarring the roof. That's, that's okay. So I, I took authority on myself that I didn't deserve. And so to give you the context of this passage, Matthew's gospel up through chapter 4, and a lot of chapter 4 is him healing people. The word has gotten out. Thousands are following him. He's healed of every kind of disease and sickness. And you get to chapter 5, and he, he sits them down. And he teaches for 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. 
And if you look at the end of chapter 7, Matthew's Gospel, the end of chapter 7, verse 29, they marveled at his teaching. They looked at each other and said, no, we never heard anybody preach like this. Verse 29, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. That was the difference in Jesus. Their scribes had tried to usurp authority and were not teaching the true word of God. They were teaching religion. Jesus taught as one having authority. Where did his authority come from? It came from the Father. More on that later. But his authority over disease and sickness and illness and over death. We see the authority of Jesus lived out through the pages of the New Testament. But let me read the first four verses of chapter 8. We're going to look at three this morning. Three healing miracles starting in chapter 8 verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hands and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was clean. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So the first thing I want you to see that Jesus had authority over, he had authority over leprosy. Jesus comes down off the mountain and the crowd's following. By this point, thousands of people are following Jesus. They've seen him heal people. Now they've heard him teach the Sermon on the Mount, and they're following him. And Jesus is, is approached to a certain extent by a leper. Now, have leprosy in the, in the New Testament meant you had been pronounced ceremonially unclean by the priest. You were cast to the outskirts of town. You weren't allowed to be around people that didn't have leprosy. In fact, the rule was you couldn't get within six feet of someone if you had leprosy. So a clean person couldn't get within six feet of you. And if the wind was blowing, it was 150 feet. So I'm assuming the wind wasn't blowing this day because he was close enough that Jesus could hear him. But he falls down in front of Jesus, literally in an act of worship, to acknowledge that this is a guy, the leopard thinks, this is a guy that can heal me. In fact, he said, if you're willing, I believe that you can heal me. Leprosy, skin condition. It was nauseating to be around these people because they smelled bad. They looked bad. It was incurable, and it was contagious. And so this guy had been, we don't know from Scripture how long he had been in this condition, but he had leprosy that had made him an outcast of society. Nobody wanted to be around him. He could only be in a leper's colony if there were other lepers around him. But he knows, he hears about Jesus. The word is spread. Jesus is going through the countryside healing people of every kind of illness and sickness. And so he has hope. So he falls down before Jesus and says, If you're willing, you can make me clean. And it says Jesus stretched out his hands and touched him. Now think about that. How long had it been since this guy had been touched? Maybe months, maybe years because he was unclean. He couldn't be touched by somebody. And Jesus says, I am willing to be cleansed. Now for Jesus to touch this leper would, in the eyes of the religious establishment would have made him unclean too. There were 61 things that defiled you in the Jewish religion. Leprosy was number two to only one thing, and that was a dead body. So Jesus loves this man. He has compassion on him. One gospel account says he had compassion on him. He reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And look at the word. Immediately the leprosy left him. Here's a guy that was leprous. We don't know for weeks, months, years. We don't know. But that skin condition had consequences. There are parts of his body that perhaps weren't there anymore, parts of his skin that had decayed. And yet Jesus, with a touch, said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And the guy was made whole again. And then he says, see that you tell no one. 
That's an odd thing. Jesus is going through the countryside. Thousands of people are following him. Why wouldn't he want him to tell anybody? It's not the only time that he says don't tell anybody. But two things. One, everybody knew it that saw it happen. But Jesus was not ready to be installed as the, as the Messiah yet. He still had teaching to do. The day was appointed for him to die, and it wasn't yet. But more than that, I think, here's what Jesus tells this guy to do. Go to Jerusalem. Show yourself to the priest. Be pronounced ceremonially clean. And if the word had gotten back to Jerusalem from Galilee, it's about a week's walk from Galilee up to Jerusalem. If the word had gotten to the priest, he's been healed by that rebel rouser, Jesus. They probably wouldn't have seen the guy. They probably wouldn't have willingly pronounced him clean. And so he says, go present yourself so that you can be pronounced clean and come back into society where people will know he's been pronounced clean. And give an offering. The offering back in Leviticus was two birds. So he offers this offering. He's pronounced clean, and he does that as a testimony to them. Well, I'm preaching to people who probably aren't dealing with leprosy this morning, but we're dealing with something worse, and it's sin. And the thought that crossed my mind all week as I've studied this passage is, I don't have leprosy. I've got other issues. But before I came to faith in Christ, I was a filthy sinner in the same way that a Leprous person was an outcast. I was an outcast. I smelled bad by sin. Sin weighted me down. And the same Jesus who was able to touch a leprous man and make him whole again touched me one day when I was about 12 years old. I gave my life to Christ. And the words of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, came true for me. Let me just read this over you. I don't have this on the screen. Let me just read this over you. If you've ever come to faith in Christ, this is the truth about your sins. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this could be true as you come to him in faith. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. So I'm not coming to Jesus because of leprosy, but I came to Jesus as a 12-year-old boy realizing I'm a sinner separated from God. And I asked him to be my Lord and Savior. And he touched me and healed me of sin and made me clean, made me white as snow. So that's the first miracle, the miracle, the authority that Jesus demonstrated over leprosy. Then the authority over paralysis. Let me read verses 5 and following. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this or that, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. So Jesus has been teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's walking towards Capernaum, which was right there on the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds are following him. He gets to Capernaum and there's a centurion that comes. This is a heathen, a Gentile. This guy wasn't a Jew. He was a Roman officer, centurion. The reason he's called a centurion, and many had a hundred men under him. So here in Capernaum, the city of Jesus in his early ministry life, right there on the Sea of Galilee, 
he comes up and imploring, imploring him. He says, my servant is lying and he's being fearfully tormented. He's being tortured, literally. And here's a guy that's a Roman guard that apparently had gained some interest in following God himself. And his heart is touched by a little boy. Most scholars believe this was probably a boy born into a slave family. And he's lying tormented. This guy, if he had been like most Roman guards, wouldn't have cared. He would have just said, get him out of my house. I don't want to see him suffer. But he had compassion himself. He comes to Jesus and says he's lying tormented. And Jesus says, I'll come heal him. And the guy said, Lord, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word. Isn't that incredible? Jesus touched the leprous man. He didn't even need to touch this little boy. This centurion knew if he just speaks the word, the same God who spoke creation into existence is able to speak a word and heal. And it says that this guy said, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. So Jesus heals him from a distance. And he talks about authority again. This guy says, I'm under authority. I have authority over 100 men, but I'm also under authority. And he recognized that Jesus had the authority to, with a word, heal And it says that Jesus marveled at his faith. There's only two things that Jesus marveled at in Scripture. One was belief. The other was unbelief. He marveled. He was impacted by it. And he said, I haven't seen this kind of faith with anyone in Israel. What's he saying? Jesus came to his own. He came to the Jewish faith. He came to the religious people, and they rejected him. And so he says, I haven't seen this kind of faith with anyone else in Israel. Hebrews 11.1, 1, speaking of faith, definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think sometimes we mistake faith with belief or trust. You all trusted your chair when you came and sat down in it. But have you ever had a chair not be there when you went to sit in it? I have. I had an older brother of mine that was five, five years older than me that sometimes would say, hey, sit here. And as soon as I went to sit, he pulled the chair out from under me. Ever had a, ever sat in a chair that broke when you sat in it? Well, it, you demonstrated trust in your chair. Faith is the evidence of things, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You don't see the chair when you place your faith in Jesus. You hear about Christ. You read about Christ. You experience Christ in a real way, but it's still unseen. And then Hebrews 11:6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews eleven six. So Jesus, or the, the word of Hebrews is, you can't please God without faith. So if you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have placed your faith in a Savior who's able to forgive you and cleanse you and give you eternal life. So Jesus says, I haven't seen this kind of faith. In fact, he says, these are the ones who are going to come from east or west. Jesus is talking about outside of Israel. Outside of Israel, they're hearing about Jesus, and they're coming from the east and the west. They're going to be the ones sitting at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But those who call themselves sons of the kingdom, they're going to be ejected. They're going to be cast out into the outer darkness. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the religious people who would call themselves sons of the kingdom. On one occasion, they justified their existence by saying, we're children of Abraham. Jesus said, we can raise up children of Abraham out of these rocks. To claim you're a child of Abraham ought to make a difference in the way you live your life. More than just being religious, it ought to have caused you to accept the one that God has sent to the earth as the Messiah. So go, and it shall be done. And he was healed that very moment. Do you notice the immediacy again? The leprous man is healed immediately. 
didn't take time. It was instantaneous. Same thing happened. At the very moment that Jesus is speaking to this centurion, the servant boy, lying, paralyzed, tormented, is healed. Last one. As Jesus enters Capernaum, he comes to Peter's house. I've been there. I've been to Capernaum a few times on our trips to Israel. I've been seven times. And they have built a church over the home of Peter. They believe that Peter's home was added onto and became a church itself. And they have a glass floor in this place. Anybody ever been there, been to Capernaum? I've been there seven times. I've never been able to go into the church because every time I get ready to walk in, they start having a service and block it off. You can't come up there. I'm planning to go again in January if you want to go. I'm going to make a point this time. I want to go look down through that glass floor. And I see some people raise your hand that you've been with me before. But Capernaum, where Peter's house was, his mother-in-law was lying sick. And I know some of you are making jokes about mother-in-laws. I've got a great mother-in-law. So I'm not going to make jokes about mother-in-laws. But Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus apparently had just left the temple precinct. And you could throw a rock from the temple in Capernaum to hit Peter's house. Not that you'd want to do that, but there's plenty of rocks lying around. So he, she's sick in bed with a fever. So let me read this passage. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So Jesus sees this woman lying in bed with a fever, tormented by a fever, can't get up, can't do anything. Hospitality is so huge in, in the Middle East that I guarantee you the fact that Jesus walked in, she wanted to get up and serve him, to welcome him into the home, but she couldn't. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched her and healed her, and immediately the fever left. How do we know it left? She gets up and starts attending to him, starts serving him. So Jesus heals Peter -in -law, Peter's mother-in-law, and she is made well. And then it says, As evening came, they brought many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. So this is the ministry of Christ in the early days of his, of his three-year earthly ministry. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's healing a leprous man. He's healing uh, a boy who's paralyzed. He's healing a woman who is sick with fever. Each of these three people would be considered the least of these in the kingdom of the Jews. In fact, Jewish men prayed a prayer, pretty much some prayed a prayer every morning, said, God, thank you that I wasn't born a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. And yet those are the ones that Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to bring hope and peace and health to the least of these. He said, to those of you that think you're great, you're going to be cast down into the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. But Jesus has that kind of authority, delegated influence. Last passage that I want to share with you, this is on the screen. The end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28. Jesus comes up. This is after the resurrection. So Jesus has been crucified. He's buried. He's raised from the dead, almost ready to ascend back into heaven. And he comes up to his disciples and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hear that word again? All authority. How much is all? All. Jesus has all authority, and he's about to give authority to his followers, and I'm going to include you in this number. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So three thoughts to close with. First, Jesus has authority over illness, disease, even demons. Jesus has authority over anything that would impact your life. So turn to Jesus. Number two, Jesus loves the least of these. I wasn't worthy for Jesus to step out of heaven and step into my life, but he loved me even the least of these. And last, Jesus gives us delegated influence. We have the authority to share the gospel with people. Jesus says, before I leave, I'm turning this over to you. Jesus, for three years, had taught. By the time we get to Matthew 28, it's near the end of his life on earth. He's about to ascend to the Father in heaven. And he says, I give you authority. Go make disciples. So if you're a child of God, there's your authority. It's from Jesus himself. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, if you've trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, are you making disciples? Are you baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And keep in mind the last thing he says, Lo, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus hasn't just kicked us out of the nest with marching orders. He is with us. We do ministry under the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we doing that? Let's pray together.